0: Amen. And uh, we're going to be talking this morning uh, about a topic that I believe is at the core of Christianity. It's at the core of what makes Christianity what it is. It's at the core of our life as a follower of Christ, as a Christian. And so we're going to kind of dive into that in just a minute. But before we do... Uh, I just want to give a little bit of a teaser, if you will. Uh, Next week, we're going to kind of do a little mini-series. It's just going to be about a three-week series is what I'm thinking right now. And so that's going to be next week. We're starting a series called Relationships, Mothers, Brothers, and Others. Okay, so Relationships, Mothers, Brothers, and Others. Okay, and so we've talked a lot about uh, back in the spring, we did a series on kind of the family dynamic, the, the marriage unit, the family home. Uh, this is going to be a study more on just relationships in general, kind of just everyday relationships. Uh, and what I want to do is kind of from the Word of God, look at some basic principles that we can kind of look at as some guidelines and some encouragements and some helps as we talk about relationships with other people. Because if we're being honest, and I know some of us would never admit this to the person that is that this is true of, relationships can be really, really difficult because sometimes people... Can just kind of suck, right? Like, I mean, can we just be honest for a second? Like, people can be mean, people can be hurtful, people can do hurtful things, and so we want to talk about what is God's word talk about in relationships? How can we uh, look at some guidelines and some principles to live? in this Christian life, live in this world, uh, this fallen world, by the way, and have relationships with other people, those that know Christ, those that don't know Christ, um, how do we interact with them, how do we have good conversations, and so we'll talk a lot about that in the next three weeks. And so I would encourage you, uh, come on out next week, invite someone to come out with you, encourage a family member, friend, neighbor, um, someone, just to come with you, invite someone out, and it would be a great blessing to them, uh, is our prayer. Also this morning, I want to make just a couple little side announcements here. Um, we are so sad, happy, happy, sad. I don't know how to say that. Uh, it's bittersweet, I guess. Uh, Laura Osborne is going to be heading off to college later today. Uh, she's going to be attending Spring Arbor University, correct? Okay. And so um, she's, this is her last Sunday morning with us, and so she comes home on break and all that stuff. Um, but I just want to say publicly that we are so blessed, and we're so blessed to have her as a part of our praise team for so many years. Uh, She is a tremendous musician and a a tremendous young woman that loves the Lord, has a passion for God's Word, a passion for the worship of God. And so I just want to say thank you, Laura, for all your hard work. But let you guys know, be praying for her. Uh, I said it's bittersweet because there is a happiness here. I'm really excited for what Laura has in the future. I'm excited for what the Lord's going to open up in the next coming months and years. And so we're so thankful for her. And obviously her family is going to continue to fellowship with us. But we're so thankful for her and just all that she's meant to our church family. And so let her know today before you leave that you appreciate her and that you'll be praying for her. And encourage her that way. Also, uh, I told him I was going to do this. He didn't want me to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway because he was in my youth group, and I can do whatever I want when you're in my youth group. So, um, so Max Cragen is with us. Would you stand, Max, for me? Max, serving in our armed forces, our army. <clears throat> you should have seen him the whole time. He's looking at me. He's just going, "Don't you do it <laughs> no we're so thankful to have Max visiting with us for the weekend, and uh, he's going down to Texas after he leaves here and uh, serving in the in the uh, United States Army, and so we're so thankful for our many men and women. Uh, you have some family members that you have that serve or have served, and so thank you from the bottom of our heart uh, for your willingness to serve, but also for your family members. So Max, thank you for your service and your blessing to us, and so we're so thankful to have you with us. And so Matthew chapter 4, I want to jump right into the text here this morning. Matthew chapter 4, and look at verse... 19. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 19. Now there is a song that goes along with this verse, I believe, but we're not going to sing that song. So Matthew four nineteen says this. And he saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Of men. Would you bow in prayer with me this morning? Our good and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. Father, the song that we just sang, as I mentioned before a few weeks ago, I'm always amazed that following a, a, an amazing explanation of your grace, Father, thank you, as Terry already sang, for your unmerited favor. We do not earn your grace. We do not work for your grace. We do not get your grace because we do good things or check the box of religious obligation. We receive your grace solely because you offer it to us through the person of Jesus Christ. And so when we receive the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we receive the grace, the forgiveness of sins. It's amazing to me that right after we talk about that, there's a line in there that talks about being prone to wander. And Father, I don't know what it is. I guess we could say it's just the sin nature in us. It's just this flesh. But Father, I know in my own life, how in the world could I understand your grace unto the point of salvation and repentance and not understand your grace in the daily living when I walk away from it? When I get distracted and wrapped up in self And so, Father, this morning I pray that above all else that there's anyone in this room right now that does not know you as their Lord and personal Savior. They have not of their own consciousness called out to you in a time of prayer, confessing that they have sinned, believing you died for their sins and rose again to conquer the penalty of sin, receiving that into their life. Father, I pray that this morning they would, by the working of your Holy Spirit, by the conviction that the Holy Spirit does in our hearts, I pray that they would come to know Christ this morning and not wander any longer. But for those of us that know Christ, that have genuinely confessed, repented, and believed in the name of Jesus Christ, but yet we've wandered, Father, I pray that you would, just as you do, in a loving and gracious manner, that you would convict our hearts as well. That we would turn from our wanderings, confess and repent, and look to you for our everything. And so, Father, as we gather this morning to worship you and to exalt your name, I pray that you'd give us wisdom in understanding this passage, to understand what it is not just to be a Christian, but to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What is our calling in this world? What are you asking of us as, as your children so, Father, I pray that you would speak through your word. Thank you for these that are here. I pray you'd bless in a mighty way. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage, uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, comes in an amazing set of verses here. When you read this, uh, you're going to read that there's a lot going on in this text. And so I encourage you to read it in its entirety later at some point, maybe later today, uh, before you take that nap. So, like, after lunch, before nap, just... Just read Matthew chapter 4 would be a great opportunity to do that. But there's a lot going on here. But I want to focus in on that verse 19. I want to focus in on what is this passage talking about here. This is Jesus calling his disciples. And then we have to ask, what does he call them to do? It's very important that if you believe Jesus is the Son of God, that you understand at least to his gracious ability in your life, what is he asking of me? Because if he's the Son of God, it's pretty vital that we do what he asks us to do. Amen? You guys guys get where I'm going with this? I mean, if Jesus is the Son of God, died, buried, and rose again, then if He asks something of me, I want to make sure I got it pretty well figured out, that I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Because He's a very vital, important, obviously we believe Him as as God. He's he's hugely important in my life, and so I want to know, man, what does He want from me? Some of us treat God like we treat our spouse. And here's what I mean by that. We don't come up and just ask, what do you want? We try to play the mind game, right? She's mad at me. I don't know what she wants. Have you asked her? No. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to ask her. It's going to unload this whole like, ammunition clip into my life. It's going to be crazy. She's going to be like, well, now that you asked, this, this, this and, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, it's all really annoying me about you. Could you change all of that, please? Okay. We try to play these mind games. And and with God, we do the same thing. We're like, man, I just don't really know what he wants from me. I don't know what he's asking from me. I just, I can't figure it out. And God has said so clearly, this is what I ask of you. Now, to be fair, men, sometimes ladies can be a little bit vague. Amen? Anyone want to testify? You guys sit next to your wife and you're like, I'm not even going there. Okay? Women, if you want your husband to do something... Just ask him, okay? And here's the catch. Let me give you this, because some of you are like, you really want to talk about this? We can talk about this. Ask him once, and then leave him alone. (laughs) Just let him be for a little bit, okay? Now, men, when you're asked to do something by your wife, do it in a timely manner. Six weeks is not a timely manner, I asked you to clean that up, and it's been two and a half months. Well, you know, I've been busy. I just got a lot going on. Sunday's football starting up, so I got a lot going on, you know. little side note here. If you're going to use an excuse with your wife, don't involve TV or sports, okay? If you combine those in an excuse, they're not going to go very far, okay? So we need to work on our communication. I mean, men, if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, ask your wife. Women, if you want your husband to do something, verbalize it. Communicate, okay? Put your thought into word and it becomes very effective, okay? But we don't have to worry about those kind of breakdowns of communication with God because he has clearly told us as his disciples what is expected of us, what is asked of us. Isn't it interesting that the only requirement that Jesus gives when he says, you will be fishers of men. See, that's the disciples' job description. He says, follow me and you will be fishers of men. So what's the job description? To go fish for men and women to add to the kingdom. Basically what he's saying is, he's using an, a, a, a physical illustration to, to emphasize a spiritual point. They're on the Sea of Galilee. They're fishing. He says, hey, just like you went and fished for these fish, you're going to go fish for men now. You're going to go reach others to build the kingdom. And what's the only requirement to fish for men? What's the only thing? He says, you have to do this to fish for men. It's not have the right bait, have the right strategy, memorize this, know that 16-week plan, have these five or six questions you have to ask like you're trying to sell them on something. He says, no, 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 you want to fish for men? Follow me. Man, why do we complicate this so much? I'm all for strategies. I'm all for ways to share your faith. If you went on Lifeway.com and you just looked up evangelistic resources or Bible studies on how to share your faith, there would be a ton. There's only a couple that I've done that I know of, but I'm sure there's much more out there. And it's amazing to me, not only the amount of resources that are given to you something to give you strategies and plans and all that, which are fine, but they also find all these Bible studies about telling you why you should go share your faith. That's the one I don't get. I don't get the studies. We should not have to do a six-week Bible study as Christians on why we should share our faith. Do you know why we should share our faith? Because Jesus asked us to, period. If you need more cajoling and, and kind of pushing than that, I got nothing. See, so that's the other thing. It's not my job as a pastor to convince you and to talk you into sharing your faith. Just like it's not my job to convince you and talk you into attending this church. And it's your choice as an individual follower of Christ. Why will I share my faith today? Why will I not share my faith today? And so here's what I want to do. I want to talk about this idea of just sharing our faith. But I'm not going to try to give you a strategy that's man-made. I want to look at the Word of God and say, what does the Word of God tell us is how do we fish for men? We're following Christ. We see fishing for men start to happen in our lives. What does God ask us to do? How do we know we're fishing for men? Because let's be practical this morning, okay? A lot of us can go, yep, I'm going to go fish for men. You're going to get in your car and look at your wife or your husband and say, I have no idea how to fish for men. What do I do? (laughs) I'm, I'm following Jesus. I'm trying to follow him. See, I think what happens is as you're following Christ in an intimate relationship, He begins to change your heart and your mind, and you start to see people the way He sees them. And you start thinking about people, and you start desiring to see people come to know Christ. And I think that's why following Him is so crucial in understanding how to share our faith. He doesn't say, follow me, and you might fish for men. He says, follow me, and you will be fishers of men. So just a side note question, just to put in the back of your mind and begin to kind of contemplate. If you don't see yourself fishing for men, there's only one real conclusion that we can come to based on the Word of God. If I follow Him, I fish for men. If I'm not fishing for men, I'm not following Him. And this is so huge. Listen, in the men's Bible study, we're going to talk specifically about What did Jesus mean by follow me? We're going to talk about that in great lengths, six weeks, about what does it look like to follow Christ? Not to convince you to follow Christ, but so that you know practically what does that even look like biblically. Because I think the church has done a little bit of a disservice, not Church North Goodland, Church America, and we've kind of lumped following him with Christ with just saying a prayer. I don't know necessarily those are the same two things. So we're going to talk about that in the men's study. We're going to spend six weeks. David Platt wrote a book called Follow Me. And we're going to kind of work through that, looking into Scripture and seeing what does that look like in our lives. I want to go over to Matthew chapter 28. Because Jesus tells his disciples, follow me and you will be fishers of men. And so then he kind of explains what that looks like. He explains what fishing for men looks like. And here's the thing. In this passage, you're not going to see him conjoling them to go. He's kind of giving them the parameters. This is what it's going to look like. This is kind of your guidelines on how to do this. So he's not trying to talk him into it. Okay? He's not trying to guilt them into it. He's just saying, this is how it is. So look at Matthew chapter 28. Super familiar passage, but it's one I want to kind of break down quickly this morning. Matthew chapter 28, look at verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them, verse 20 of Matthew 28, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Go back to verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Before we even get into what does it look like to fish for men, we've got to kind of establish a baseline. We said in Matthew 4, 19, the key is to follow Jesus, to follow Christ. Here's the key on that. We follow Christ because He has all the power. Because He has all the authority. Because He's the one that we are following. He's the one that we're pointing people to. And so I want us to understand this. And we go into this world, as we decide, which is the title of the message warning, that we're going to reach others... We're going to reach out because He is within. He is in us, so we're reaching out. We're reaching out because He is within. When you decide to do that, you're not going in your strength. You're not going in your ability or your power or your talents or your lack of talents or your lack of Bible knowledge. I meet so many Christians that are like, man, I just, I don't know if I know enough of this to tell people about Jesus. If you're waiting till you know enough about this to tell people about Jesus, you're never going to tell people about Jesus because there's a ton of this you'll never understand. You might say, that sounds ridiculous. People spend their entire lives just studying the Word of God. And it's a great pursuit, because truth is one of the greatest pursuits you can endeavor to accomplish. But my point is, you're always going to have questions about something. And here's why. Because God's Word doesn't change, but I believe at different places in our Christian walk, the Holy Spirit will give us enlightenment to different verses, different passages, and different texts. And I believe you might read a passage and go, man, I really don't get that. But then a year or two later, you have some experiences. God works in your life. You have this experience happen where you draw closer to him. And all of a sudden you read the passage, you're going to go, oh, now I see what that means. It's not that the text changed. It didn't change its meaning. It's always meant the same thing. It's just your eyes were enlightened to it because you were in a different place spiritually. You're able to receive it. Maybe you're a newer Christian and you're still kind of working through the basic things of Christianity. Please don't be discouraged by that. And if other people discourage you about that, don't listen to them anymore. You just get excited for Jesus and you just keep going and keep going and keep digging and keep digging. Some of you have reached a point in your Christianity where you're like, well, I think I know it all. I think I got it pretty well all figured out. I need, this is what I love, I need deeper teaching. I need the deeper stuff. If you're telling me that you're so arrived that you need deeper teaching? we got to kind of go back to the basics and talk about this thing called humility. <laughs> Let's get a little basic and talk about this lowliness of heart that we need to have when we come before our God. So you've got to be careful. Sometimes we can think too lowly of ourselves or we can think too highly of ourselves. Man, we just need to be excited for where God has us right now. Get into His Word. Start following Him. Get passionate about Jesus. But realize everything we do as a follower of Christ is because of Christ. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. He is the authority. He is the one we're going for and under. When someone rejects you, you can, in essence, say that's fine. Because they're not really rejecting you. Because you're not going in your name. You're going in the name of Christ. I want to look at, just quickly, three things that I see this passage lay out in, in what we call the Great Commission that shows us What it looks like to fish for men. Three keys that show us what it looks like when we are fishing. The first thing I want to point out here in Matthew chapter 28. Look at verse 19 again. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. The first word we see in verse 19 is the word go. The word go. The first thing we have to understand is that there is a going involved. There is a going involved. We are not just talking about overseas overseas. Missions work to other countries. We are talking about going into everyday everyday situations, work, school, whatever, with a purposeful direction on I'm going into today to share the gospel. I'm going into today to look for a way to open a conversation up about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the key. This go in Matthew 28 verse 19 is not a command in the Greek. It's not a command. He's not saying you better go. It's more of a present tense understood of going. So Jesus is saying, as you are going out into your life, into your day, into your world, here's what you're going to do. As you're going, you're going to teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them. You're going to be going into every day. See, this is the thing. It's not, I prep to go out someday. In two weeks, I'll go. Or in a month, I'll go. It's, no, no. Every day as you're going into your day, you're just living life. Man, Christianity is not something you come to church to watch happen up here. Christianity is something you live every moment of every day as the Holy Spirit of God just works in you. And he begins to lead you and guide you and direct you in the days and the conversations. And you just find yourself in the midst of a conversation. And Jesus comes up and you're going, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. They want to talk about Jesus. I don't know what to do. Man, that's the going. You're just into your day. You're just living your life. I love this study we've been doing on Wednesday nights about Abraham and Isaac and now Jacob. Studying these great patriarchs of the faith. You know, there were long periods of time between God speaking to these individuals. And what do we think they were doing when God wasn't speaking to them? It's evident they just lived a life of faith. They just lived their life. And some of us, we wait for these big, huge emotional experiences with God or these big, direct confrontations with God. And we base our Christianity on those big, huge experiences. And God is saying, no, no, no. It's in the daily, just the kind of in and outs of the day, the week, that that's when, man, God's really going to show up. It's, there will be those mountaintop experiences where you really just have this encounter with God, and you have a devotion where you're just like, you can't even hardly read. I had some time, They said, man, I went through a season where they just couldn't even read the Word of God without crying. This guy said, I'd open the Bible up in the morning and just cry. And I would put it away, and I'd pray, and I'd try to open the Bible and read again, and I would just cry. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. This is kind of crazy. You might have those seasons where it's just like, man, you just can't get enough of His Word. But you also might have seasons where you pick up this book and go, you read it five, six, seven times, the same passage, and you're like, I don't, I'm not getting nothing here. And if you base it on the emotional experiences, your Christianity is going to be defeated in your daily life. You're going to go, oh, God's not speaking to me today. I must have done something wrong. And you're this Eeyore Christian. You know what I'm saying? Well, is me. Nothing good ever happens. Why well, does he always get blessed? Yeah, you're a lot of fun to hang around. Man, no, no, we don't base it on these ups and downs. This is not Christianity. This is the world. I got a raise. It's a great day. I lost my job. Oh, I hate my life. Man, that's not Christianity. No, no, Christianity is a steady incline towards godliness. And we just little by little, and there's little hiccups, right? You guys know the hiccups I'm talking about? You kind of do this and you're like, well, uh, oh. By the way, anytime you go backwards, that's on you right? But man, it's a steady incline towards Christ-likeness. And as we're on this journey, we're just going into our lives, we're just experiencing Him in new ways. And in everyday life, that's the going that we're talking about here. It's not a command, you better go, He says to His disciples. No, no, no. As you're going, this is what I want you to do. As you're going into your life, here's how you can just share me with your family members, friends, community, by just going. And here's the thing, you're already going, right? Tomorrow morning, or well, rather Tuesday morning, some of you will get up and go to work, and you'll go to school, and you'll go to this, and you'll go to the store, and you'll go to this. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would love to have something added to your plate this week? Like something that you, you know, it's a time-consuming thing. You just have so much open free time this week that you just want to add something to your plate. Anyone want to add something to their plate this week that you just have so much free time? Okay, Laura's raising her hand. She's going to get a light to her plate. She doesn't know yet. Okay. Welcome to college. Yeah. Oh, there you go. She's like, I want it. Give me college. You don't want to get out of the house, do you? No, never. No. You want to stay home, right? No. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, uh, yeah, I love my family. Um, how many of you would say, man, I would love it if I could get something off my plate this week and just not to worry about that? Raise your hand. I got a lot going on. Okay. When we talk about evangelism, here's what a lot of Christians hear. I don't have time to evangelize. You don't know what I have going on. Man, I'm so busy all the time. I don't have time to add in evangelism. (laughs) Man, I'm trying to make it through waking up and going to bed and getting my checklist done. Some of you, by the way, you make checklists that are way too big to begin with. Just being honest. You have a to-do list that is a to-never list because it's never going to happen. It's great to plan. Man, listen, I, I need to be more of a list maker. My wife is a great list maker. She's like boom, 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 done. And but you know what happens sometimes we make those lists so big with great expectations and very little reality. And we get to the end of our day and we think, I done nothing today, but our list was actually quite accomplished. We did a lot on our list, but there was so much left open, we feel defeated. Because you really added so much to your plate to begin with, it wasn't really realistic. We don't set realistic goals. We set these, and it's good to set goals that are a little bit above, but man, some of you are just walking into defeat because you just set unrealistic goals. I'm not talking about adding anything to your plate. I'm not talking about adding one more thing. All I'm saying is we're not talking about addition. We're talking about intention, okay? We're not talking about addition. We're talking about intention. You're already going to go to work, So all you're going to do at work is be intentionally looking for ways to share your faith. We're not adding anything. It's just living life. And we're just going to be thinking, okay, I'm already at the grocery store. So how can I encourage somebody in Christ today at the grocery store? I'm already here. I'm already shopping. I'm already in class. How can I, to a student that is here, whether junior high, high school, college age, Then how can I go into my classroom? I'm already going to be in class. I'm already going to sit in that lecture. How can I intentionally be glorifying Christ today? How can I be a student that respects my teacher in a way that sets a different tone from the other students where students go, man, what's different about this kid? We're all making fun of the teacher, and they're actually listening to the teacher and being respectful. Those are the kind of—we're just intentional. We're looking for ways. I want to intentionally share Christ. Not addition, intention. The going is something we're already doing. Secondly, we've got to hurry up here. Secondly, it says, Go ye therefore, so you're going into your day, you're going into your week, it says, and teach all nations. That's the idea of sharing the gospel, right? We're just sharing Christ. This is gospel-centered teaching. Then he says this, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. This is where we stop. And we go, whew, I'm still so thankful. I don't have to worry about baptizing anybody. Okay? You should have seen, I'm going to pick on him a little bit, you should have seen a look on Zach's face when I said, do you want to baptize your kids? He was like, yeah, no. He's like, I really want to. Can we like put a curtain up or something so nobody sees me? Okay. You think, oh, baptizing, that's the pastor's job. That's the church's job. Here's what we're saying here to the average everyday Christian that's just going into your day. You're teaching Christ and they receive Christ. Outside of your own personal salvation, there's nothing more amazing than watching somebody else come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. It's just so cool. And you get to be a part of that. Somebody's entire eternity is changed because you just opened your mouth and let the Holy Spirit speak through you. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you've kind of stumbled over the words. Maybe you kind of just kind of hacked it up and you kind of spewed out what you thought was kind of like the gospel and they end up getting saved and you're like, how in the world? <laughs> That was, whole, that was the worst delivery of the gospel I've ever given in my life. Because it's just sometimes under that pressure moment, you're just like, ah, uh, we're so worried about saying the wrong thing. Keep it simple. Man, just give them Jesus. And when you give them Jesus, guess what? They might come to know Christ as their Savior. And then guess what? You get the blessed opportunity to encourage them to connect with the local church. See, baptism here is representing following Christ and believers' baptism after salvation. And what it represents is this connecting to the local church. Baptism is a public profession or expression of our faith and a way of publicly connecting to a local church. Baptism is the symbol of emerging into the body of Christ, which is the local church. See, our local church is the representation of the body of Christ. And when someone is baptized in our church, it's kind of a, a physical symbol of that spiritual baptism that's already taken place when they were outside the body of Christ, received Christ. Now they are adopted into the family. The Bible says that we were outside kind of just living wild and crazy lives and then we're adopted into that. we're baptized, we're plunged into. I love that definition. The word baptism in the Greek means to be immersed into or to be plunged into. I love that. The Bible says that when we receive Christ, we are plunged into the body of Christ. We are immersed in the body of Christ. You are no longer separated from the God of all creation, but you are one with the Father as he is one with you. You are a son and a daughter of the Most High God because of Jesus Christ. And so baptism doesn't necessarily mean that you are the one that baptizes them. Although, let me just tell you this, the local church is given authority to baptize. So there's times I've had dads or parents or grandparents or whatever baptize a a child or a grandchild or or whatnot. And it's completely okay biblically because it's given to the local church to baptize. And so what it represents here in the Great Commission is you lead someone to Christ and then you encourage them. Why don't you come in and connect with my church? Why don't you follow the Lord and believers' baptism? It's not required for salvation to be baptized. But it is an encouragement to take that step of discipleship, that step of faith, to publicly profess and to connect with a local church. This is us helping them, if you will, to continue to take the steps of growth. Discipleship and evangelism does not stop at conversion. It's only the beginning. I love what Warren Worsby said in his commentary about this idea here. Listen to what Worsby says. How much faster our churches would grow And how much stronger and happier our church members would be if each were discipling another. How much faster our churches would grow, how much stronger and happier our church members would be if each were discipling another another. Can you imagine the joy that you lead someone to Christ, and then they end up following the Lord and believers' baptism and connect to a local church, and you get to be a part of that whole process, and now you're watching their life change. Man, they used to be so self-centered and focused on this, or maybe trapped in this addiction, or trapped in this other sin, and, and you get to have a hand of setting them free from all that garbage. And you watch them begin to get excited about the things of God and grow and connect, and that's what Christianity is all about, it's not about just experiencing freedom for us individually. It's about proclaiming it for others to be able to experience that same freedom. And watch God set them free. Watch God rebuild homes, restore marriages, strengthen families, bring back prodigal sons and daughters that were wayward, that were all in the world and now have come home and are restored unto their family. And that's the exciting stuff that involves Christianity when we just open our mouth and just share the good news of Jesus Christ. Some people will say this, well, I, I, show, I share Christ with my life, and sometimes I use words. I share Christ with my life, and sometimes I use words. Be careful there. Yes, it is true. We live evangelism, not just speak it. We don't want to speak Christ and live something contrary. If you're sharing Christ with someone, but your life is a life focused on self and sin, don't expect that message to have any weight with that individual or individuals. Jesus said it this way, get the beam out of your own eye before you think you're going to have the right heart to be able to go to someone else. Because see, when you go to somebody else that doesn't have Christ, and you begin to tell them, you need Jesus, you need forgiveness of your sins, you need to know Christ, man, you need to experience this. And they're looking at you and going, you've got all the same sin I do. You do the same things I do. You feel guilty about it. I don't. Why would I want that? Man, we got to be so careful. Our life matters. But living for Christ will never Take the place of verbally communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't say it's one or the other. It's not I live for Christ and sometimes I share Christ. No, no, no. It's I share for Christ, I share of Christ and I live for Him. I live for Him and I share about Him. It's one and the same. And we want to make these excuses. I'm afraid to speak to anybody about Jesus, so I just live Christianity. That's great that you're living for Christ but you're robbing yourself of the blessing of being able to verbalize it and communicate it with someone else. And allow God to give you a peace. You don't have to be fearful because you're not going in your authority anyway. You're going in His. So what do you have to fear? All power was given to Christ in heaven and in earth. So you think the person you're talking to has more power than Jesus? Man, don't even let fear win. You trust in Christ and his word and his authority, and you watch God use you. As you're going into your days and you're sharing Christ with others, you're just sharing the gospel, they get baptized, they plug into a local church, and then we see the second word for teaching here. The third thing that he talks about here is the second time he uses the word teaching. So he says, go. Then he says, teach all nations. That nations is not Italy, uh, England, Ireland. That nations is people groups. Ethnic people groups. He says, go to every people group in the world, every single person, and tell them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he says, baptize them. Plug them into the local church. And then once that happens, verse 20, teaching them. Teaching who? Those that have been taught the gospel are baptized, meaning they've connected to the local church. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. This second form of teaching, this is when we grow in all the things that Jesus taught us. This is where we do life together. We help and encourage each other to walk this life road in the truth of God's word. I find it very interesting that the New Testament does not directly command anywhere for us to build and plant churches. Let that sink in for a moment. When you read through the book of Acts, you read about a lot of things taking place, a lot of churches being planted. But do you realize that nowhere does it say, go plant churches? It says, no, no, go tell people about Christ, lead them into baptism, and then teach them what I've taught you. And you know what a natural byproduct of that is? The planting of churches. Because as people are finding Christ and growing in their faith and getting connected to local bodies, people of, of like faith and mind, they'll start saying, man, we got to have a place to meet together. We want to come together and we want to spend time together. It was in homes. It was in the temple court. It was wherever they could meet by a riverside. And they started looking for places. we got to meet together. We just want to be together. And I don't know what happened where church involvement became more about obligation than enjoyment. Where now pastors have to come up with creative ways to get people to come to church. Man, the Bible seems to say when you get saved and you're connected with a body of believers, you're going to want to be with them because you want to just enjoy Christ together and celebrate all that God has done, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've teached you. I believe that a lot of churches today have drifted from this pattern Somehow believing the lie that we cannot lead someone to Christ. Some of you think, I could never lead someone to Christ. I could never encourage someone to get baptized. But I will do this. I'll just bring them to church. And maybe the pastor will do it for me. Man, if all you can do is invite someone to church and that conversation you're having with them, do that. That's great. That's fine. It's good. Nothing wrong with that. But don't believe the lie that you can't share Christ with them. And if you know Christ... God has given you His Holy Spirit. And you have all that you need to be able to share Christ with someone else. You're not going to have all the answers, but that's okay. You only need one answer, and that's Jesus Christ. And when you're sharing Christ with others, and you're believing that God can use you to do great things, you will see them come to Christ. Some may reject, but that's fine. That's not your decision. That's not your call. That's theirs. But if they receive Christ, you can encourage them. Plug them into the local church. See them follow the Lord and believers' baptism. And then see them begin to grow in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Again, we can all invite someone to church. And I encourage you. Maybe this week you would invite someone to come out next week. You would say, you know, I'm just going to invite this person, my neighbor, whoever. They've been on my heart for a while. I'm going to invite them to come to church. I would love to see you do that next week. Have somebody come with you. Everybody invite just one person, and and you can have that person with you. But more than that, begin to just kind of create this relationship with that person that doesn't know Christ. Enjoy time with them as far as look for ways to have conversations with them. Now listen, if, they're, if they don't know Christ and they're in some kind of crazy sin situation, I'm not saying you go along with them in their sin. What I'm saying is you look for ways to encourage them in Christ. You have that conversation and you share Christ with them. I love how Jesus ends this passage. Look how Jesus ends this passage and it's such an encouragement. He kind of puts bookends here of encouragement in this, in this passage. He starts in verse 18 by saying that all power is given unto him. And then look at verse 20 at the very end. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. If if knowing that Jesus had all the power wasn't enough, that that authority wasn't enough, he says, and when you're going doing this, I'm with you. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that he is with me. Amen. Because I couldn't get through a day without him, I couldn't get through a moment without him without leaning on his grace and presence in my life, without him, I could not do what he's asking me to do. Because he has all the authority. And then he says, and I'm also with you. Man, there's nothing more comforting than that. To know that the one that has all all power is walking with you through your day. And he doesn't just say he's with you for a short time. He says, until the end of the world. Some of your translations might say the end of the age. It's the same idea. It's saying basically, until I come get you, (laughs) until I say everything is done, I'm with you. I am with you. And so the question to ask ourselves is, man, can this really work? Is this the pattern that we need to follow in our own lives? Is it really this easy? Just as I'm going through the course of our our day to share Christ with someone, to share the simplistic truth of the gospel, to see them possibly come to Christ... For themselves receiving the simplicity of the gospel, the confessions of sin, the believing that Christ died, buried, and rose again for them, and then plugging them into the local church through encouragement. They get baptized in the local church because it's part of that next step. And then they actually start to get excited about studying the things of God, learning about the things of God, together as the body of Christ. And then guess what? They go out. And they share their faith with someone. And that person gets saved. And then they get baptized and connected to the local church. Do you realize this is the foundation of Christianity? This is how Christianity has spread throughout the known world for over 2,000 years. Not because of great speakers and spiritual leaders. But because of the Holy Spirit using the average church person. Everyday Christians, which we all are, to just go into their life and just share Christ. But man, we have got it so complicated sometimes. We had all this extra baggage on them. Man, if somebody doesn't know Christ, stop being a roadblock and start being an open door to say, listen, I just want to tell you what Jesus is. Don't stumble them or trip them up on their way to God. Encourage them. Man, do you know Jesus? And here's a little telltale sign. If you're like, I ask people that and I get a lot of different answers. Here's how you know if they really know Jesus or not. For the most part, it's not always true. But this is something that I found in my own life. And maybe you've seen this be true. If I ask somebody, do you know Jesus as your Savior? They'll say something like this. If they probably don't or they're very immature in their faith, they'll say, well, yeah, I go to church. Isn't it amazing? I didn't ask you if you go to church, right? I didn't say, hey, do you go to church? I said, do you know Jesus? When I've asked believers that, I almost get the same answer, except it's more like, yeah, I know Jesus is my Savior and I love going to church, right? I love, I, I know Jesus is my Savior and I attend this church over here. Do you see the difference there? Man, it's, it's about Him, it's not about coming to church. And see, I think we've kind of replaced coming to church with knowing Him. And I think once we know Him, we'll have no problem coming to church. Get what I'm saying? That's what it means behind me on the wall, that we will not attend church, we will be the church. It doesn't mean that we don't worship together. It doesn't mean that this isn't vital and important to come together as the body of Christ when we have opportunities for services. It's saying we're not going to allow this to replace going out and making disciples. That we're, we're going to use what we learn here and be encouraged here to go out and reach others for Christ. And watch God build His church can this really work? I mean, is this really the simplicity of it? Don't I need a 16-week strategy, a seven-point plan? Man, listen, it, it's nothing wrong with those things, but it doesn't have to, you don't have to have those. Just have Jesus. The Apostle Paul, jot it down for notes sake. We won't turn there for time. The Apostle Paul followed this exact pattern in establishing the Corinthian church. Acts chapter 18. We're not going to turn there, but I'm going to give you these references. Jot them down. The Apostle Paul followed the same pattern we're talking about. And he saw God plant a church in Corinth. Paul went to Corinth in his going. Acts chapter 18, verse 1. He went. He was going, traveling for Christ, and he ended up in Corinth. But he was already going. He didn't pray about only Corinth. He was just going in his daily ministry. He won people to Christ, Acts chapter 18, verse 8, through the teaching of the gospel. So in his going, Acts 18.1, he won people to Christ, Acts 18.8, and he taught them the word, Acts 18.11. Acts 18.11. He went, he shared the gospel, we read about them being baptized, he taught them He laid a foundation of the church. And then, something kind of cool I want you to jot down. When it got tough, when it got hard, listen, following Christ can be difficult, fishing for men can be discouraging and difficult. But when it got tough and when it got hard, the Lord reminded him, reminded Paul that he was with him. Acts chapter 18, verses 9 through 10. He tells Paul, I am with you. Don't be afraid. Listen, as we talk about this idea of sharing our faith, and there's a simplicity to it in the going, then we'll see him get baptized, and then we teach. Go, baptize, teach. And then what we do is we just blanket all of that with prayer. We just pray every morning before we get up out of the bed, before you, right when your eyes are starting to open. If you're like me this morning, my eyes were really hard to open. Right? A little chilly outside, that blanket, you're just like, "Mm." you know what I'm saying? Before your eyes even get fully open, just begin to pray, God, just make me aware of opportunities today. I've heard Christians pray, I just want to, I want, I'm praying for opportunities. I don't think we need to pray for opportunities. I think when we pray for opportunities, we're putting the emphasis on the wrong part. We're assuming then there are times where there's no opportunity. And it's almost like a get out of jail free card. Lord, if you'd give me an opportunity today, I'll share my faith. If we get to the end of the day without ever having shared our faith, well, I guess God didn't have me any opportunities today. When your whole day was surrounded with opportunity. So we don't need to pray, God, give me opportunity. We need to pray what Paul asked the Ephesian church to pray about in Ephesians 5.19. We need to pray, when opportunity arises, give me a boldness of speech. Help me to say what I need to say. See, we blanket the whole thing in prayer and we allow God to just be focused or center focus of all of it. And so here's what we want to do this morning. I want to ask you are you personally sharing your faith? I want to ask you to spend some time in prayer this morning about how God is leading you to get intentional in sharing your faith with others. Not additional, but intentional. Practically, who can you talk to this week? Who have you been sharing your faith with? Maybe you're already doing this, and who have you been sharing your faith with? And they aren't responding. Isn't that, that can be so discouraging. You're sharing your faith, you're trying to encourage this person to know Christ, and they just aren't getting it. They're not responding. It can be so discouraging. So then how are you dealing with the discouragement of that? How are you handling the frustrations in that? Are you allowing it to tear you down, to distract you, to confuse you, to get you off track, or are you just putting it back on God and saying, God, this is in your hands. Remember, it's not your presentation that gets them saved or leads them to Christ. It's not your charisma as you share Christ. It's not how well you elaborate this point or that point. It's the Holy Spirit of God working in you, and you just begin to share your faith of what God has changed your life. I've said it before, Jonathan Edwards known as a revival preacher, would get up on a Sunday morning and just read the sermon. I'm not talking like read it with any kind of color. It is said that he would just get up and look down and say, and the Lord said unto them that thou shalt do this and blah, blah, blah. And just read it. And the Holy Spirit moved so greatly that people were running to the altar to get saved. There's a time in our church history where people just read the Word of God, just read the Word of God. No commentary, and people were rushing to receive Christ. See, it's not so much our presentation, because remember, Jesus, the greatest teacher and evangelist of all time, while on earth, even the rich young ruler looked at Jesus and walked away sad. And it's not your presentation. I'm not saying it doesn't matter that you share your words. You need to share your words. But it's not about how well you say it. It's just about surrender to the Holy Spirit, making sure it's my mind and heart right with you, God. Am I where I need to be so that I'm not getting in your way of what you're doing? And then you just share. And man, you watch God do great things. It's so powerful. And what a blessing. We, knowing who we are, (laughs) we get to be involved in that process. We get to be the ones that are messengers, ambassadors for Jesus Christ. So here's my challenge this morning, real simple. We're gonna have an invitation, but just real simple challenge. Are you sharing your faith? And if you're not sharing your faith, why are you not sharing your faith? Is it because ultimately you would say in this season of your life as a follower of Christ, you're not following? The Bible's pretty clear. If you follow, you'll fish. If you're not fishing, Jesus seemed to imply you must not be following. And I don't mean you're not a Christian. You can fully be saved, but in this season of your life, are you following? Are you endeavoring to abide with him and abide in him as he is abiding in you? Sharing your faith and you're discouraged without responding? How would you take care of that discouragement? Maybe give it to him. But maybe you're a Christian here this morning and you're not sharing your faith because you know that you're not where you need to be you know you're not doing what God is calling you to do. You're not really following him. Then here's what I would encourage you to do. Then this morning you make a decision to say, God, I'm so sorry for what I've done. I'm so sorry for this or that or how I'm not following you. And I ask that I would just, start just have to follow you afresh today. And it's amazing. He says, let's go. Let's go. It's a brand new day. Let's go. But then take steps to actually follow him. Not because you need it to keep your salvation but because you desire just to be closer to Him because He loves you that much. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads right there where you are. The band is going to come. And this invitation time is a real simple encouragement. We're just going to pray, and then we'll have you stand in just a moment, and you begin to pray there in your seats right now. But as we stand in just a moment, we just want to give you an opportunity to respond to whatever God is doing, however God is leading, Maybe you're a Christian that knows that right now in this season you wouldn't have said it this way, but you see that you're not fishing. And so maybe you're not following. And you want to just confess that and make that right with the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you so that I can share my faith. Maybe some of you here this morning, you're sharing your faith. But you're doing it in a way to cover up something else going on in your life. You want everyone else to think that you're good to go. And so you just share your faith, and everyone's like, oh man, that guy or that girl, they're a great Christian. Look at how they love Jesus. But you know in your heart there's something not right. You know in your heart there's this issue that you're not dealing with between you and the Holy Spirit. Maybe you would come in just a moment and just bend a knee and say, God, I just want to get this right with you. Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ. Maybe you've been to church before. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you grew up in church. But you would say honestly that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never accepted him and received him, his gift of salvation. Then maybe this morning when we stand in just a moment, you would pray and say, Lord Jesus, I've, I confess my sins. I believe that I've sinned against you. I believe that you died on a cross for my sins, were buried, and rose again. I receive the gift of salvation. I surrender myself to you as my Lord and Savior, and I commit my life to you for whatever you may see fit. If that's you this morning. I would love to encourage you after service today. But whatever God is doing, maybe you want to just respond. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift that it is that he comes and speaks to us. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead, guide, and direct through this time of prayer. That if there's anyone in this room right now that doesn't know you as their Savior, that you would convict them in the only way you can. Show them the reality of their sin, but also show them the reality of your gospel. May they understand that sin must be paid for, that there is a penalty for our sin. And your word says it is separation from God for all of eternity in a place called hell. But while that's true if we die in our sin, if we confess our sin and receive Christ, we are set for heaven for all eternity, for relationship. So Father, I pray that you would lead, guide, and direct in all these things. We need your wisdom. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? However God is leading you, would you respond to him as he is leading you? Want to share your faith? Got some fear? Maybe you want to come and pray and say, God, take my fear. I'm tired of this. I want to share you. I want to follow you. I want to be your fisherman this week. And so whatever God is doing, would you respond?